Hi, and welcome along to Steve Race True Crime Podcast. Delighted to be joined by a very good friend of mine, Norman, the Governor Buckland. How are you, Norman? It's always lovely. It's a pleasure to see you and to hear from you all the time. You're a top legend, mate. We all love you, and you're a top geezer. You always, you're always there for people, like, and it's lovely. It's lovely to talk to you. You're a very fair and decent man. Top man, great to see you. And uh, I just want to say well done. Congratulations. A book out, Storm and Norman Buckland, the new governor, uh, written with uh, a couple of friends of mine as well, Lee Wortley and Anthony Thomas. We'll come to that a little bit later on. And just great to see um, top man Freddie uh, doing a little forward for you. He's the toughest street fighter alive. That's fantastic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, he's I can remember the last time I saw you at Freddie, Freddie Foreman's birthday party. That's right, yes. Uh, you and always... they're playing Jazz and Dave and everything. It was great. It Do you know, I love Freddie Foreman. He's such a lovely guy. And he's the real deal, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, in his uh... day, like, he was, the, he was the most deadly man in it, in London, like, probably the world, like. This man was, he was all over the world as well. He was in America for a while, like. There's plenty of stories he can't tell us, like, you know what I mean? But we know he was the top man, like, probably... One of the top assassins in the in the world, like you know what I mean. But he's left that behind. He was born in the Second World War, where my grandmother used to say they used to come up from the limes when 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 Hitler was bombing us, like. And after the bombing, they'd come out to the street, and there'd there'd be like friends' bodies, like a dustman men picking up the bodies, and little children fucking heads and feet everywhere. That's the sort of lives they they were born in, like you know what I mean. So yeah. that's the sort of life they only you, they knew that sort of life, and it's. A, but I'll tell you what, Freddie is one of the nicest blokes you can ever meet in your life, and yeah. he ain't. I mean, he's knocking on now. He's he's the last one of the boys, like you know what I mean. He's the last the last one out there. We should all get together, like, and, and do something for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's hitting his ninetieth in March, um, which is a, another milestone for Fred. It's been a been a tumultuous. Uh, period because I, I, I was seeing him probably once a month coming up and down to see him and, and yeah. unfortunately when COVID hit I've only seen him once in the last two years managed to get down in April to see him and um, he was well keeping touch on the phone etc but yeah Fred's a top man and um, you know deservedly deservedly resting up now after after a very very uh, interesting life shall we say but let's talk about your life Norman um, where where were you born mate where were you where were you born, I was born in Aylesbury Aylesbury Duck these coolers the Aylesbury Ducks. And I uh, come from a fighting family, the Bucklands. The O'Sullins come from Cork, my mum's side. My grandmother's side were, um, they were um, Coopers. They were gypsies, travellers, good fighters. Gypsy Jack Cooper, I think, was her dad. And somewhere along the line, there was a, a granddad or great-granddad. I mean, we're going back probably 100, 200 years ago. Gypsy Jack Cooper, he was brilliant. They, they reckon he was unbeatable. It, the, uh, some of the family ended up over in Australia and it wasn't a holiday. You know what I mean? That's the way it was. You know what I mean? There was a few accidents fighting uh, Gypsy Jack. Uh, he killed a couple of people. He's done six months the first time. Bless, it's a hard sport. It's a dangerous sport as well. But it's like me. I'm not an educated man. That's the only way I could earn a living, like banging people out. I mean, I used to get paid a bloke in Aylesbury. Up the day, you used to have the old Vic pub. I used to work with a bloke called um, oh yeah, Dean Garrity. I went up to London with, but Aidy Brooks. We used to do the door there, and he had trouble up London. I had to go up there one day, 
and knock a fella out. I knew where he lived. I only had a picture of him. And the fucking geezer had a, a woolly hat on. He, he had um, a paper under his arm, a, a bottle of milk, like the old milk bottles. Yeah. And he was whistling walking along the road. And I had a photo. I was only 16 years old. And I thought, I need the money. I need the money. But I was fair about it. I did chin him like. He fell over. Poor, people are walking all around. They didn't break us up or anything. They were walking over him as I was trying to wake him up like. And I said, mate, you knew it was coming. He said, I knew it was coming. He said, how, 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 you know, what are you going to do with me? And he thought I was going to drag him in the car and do a Freddie Foreman with him. But I said, mate, listen, I'm not that bad of a geezer like. I said, listen, you know it's going to come. You know you're going to get hurt. I'm not going to hurt you. I'll just give you a slap and I'll give you a warning. You've got to leave that woman alone, okay? That's, you know, she's got a half a daily's missus, we used to call him. That's his missus now. And I'm a nice guy. But if they find out you only got a slap from me, they'll come up and it'll be someone like, we used to have the, the nutty blokes called Hungarian Frank or Mad Mick. And I said, he'll come up with an iron bar and break your arms and legs. I said, you don't want that. He said, come around for a cup of tea. Like. He said, thank fuck for that. Like. And he knew he knew of me, even at that age. Like. He said, I knew it was coming. Like. He said, but fair play, Norman. Thank you. He said, I'll never go back to Ellsbury again. And I've never seen him. But it was horrible, the things I had to do. But I needed the money. I wasn't educated. I couldn't go for an interview. I mean, they, they a, a woodcutter or something they wanted one day up the town. I went up there. And I couldn't even fill the forms in, like, you know, I, mean, I didn't know how to. And they, they ended up, they were taking the piss, like, well, are you a cleaner, like, can you clean our cars? And it was insulting, like, and it hurt, you know what I mean? And it hit deep. And at the time, I was doing a lot of fighting around the town, and they called me the governor, like, they used to call my great-grandparents the governors. And even my, my granddad, Buck, used to fight Barnet Fair, and he was the governor there. This is going back probably 100 years, nearly 100 years ago. And uh, they used to call me to go. When I see Roy Shaw and Lenny McLean, I couldn't believe it. Like it was better than watching a world title fight. You know what I mean? It was fantastic. And I thought I, I, I want to grow up. I want to be like them one day. I was the governor anyway. But when I heard the belt was going, the Roy Shaw belt was going, I was up there. You know what I mean? And I had a word with Joey Pole, like, and they said, "Do you want to?" And I was an old man there, nearly fifty, like, and it was. I mean, I retired at 25. I was not like every ABA champion. I fought for the home county. Like, I, you know what I mean? That boxing was my goddamn. My brother boxed for England. My dad, he, he run the club in Ellsbury. Like, it, it was good, very strict, like, you know what I mean? But so I had a few fights for uh, uh, Joey Pohl, and they, he did help me out. God bless you, Joey. Thank you for everything you've done. I've... I haven't thanked you for years, like, and Ricky English and all the boys with Fox there at Caesars Palace. I loved you all. It was good shows. And, I mean, uh, the Mean Machine, there was a lot of things I can't talk about because I'm not a grass and I don't stitch people up. I think I learned that off Freddie Foreman. You keep your mouth shut. You know, and if anyone's attacked you, you take what you, you know what I mean? You don't repeat. You, don't, you know what I mean? Because these days, people will bounce off, well, you calling me this, what about you? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And I'll say, look, you can say what you want, like, you know what I mean? And uh, it was a good day. It's like looking – can you remember that film, Once Upon a Time in America? Yes, I do, mean, yeah. It's like looking back on that, you know what I mean, with, with Joey Paul, uh, um, uh, Joey Paul, um, 
Yeah, oh, it was like it was Frankie Fraser and, and all of those days, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that the film was with Terry Stone and that, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like looking back flashbacks, like, you know what I mean? And I yeah. can remember I was with you once and yeah. something happened. You had a row. You had someone, someone had a go at you, like. And I can remember it was a big table of doormen, like. They looked like bodybuilders. Maybe there might have been two tables, but there must have been about a dozen of them or half a dozen of them. And I can remember Joey Paul saying, Norman, come here. I went over to him. Like, I had a bloke called Gary. I haven't seen him for a while. You lose contacts with people, a lot of boys and friends. I mean, the old firm, I love them. They're a good boys, like, you know, and I yeah. haven't seen them for years. I love you, boys. I will never forget you, like, you know what I mean? You were great, like. Same with the old man, Joey Paul. After he died, things fell apart, you know what I mean? And we well, all let's went talk, on let's, let's talk. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the governor title because the yeah. one thing, I guess, you, you're going to put to bed in this book, uh, when it comes, you know, it's and it's out in, you know, it's out now as a pre-order. Comes out this month in January two thousand and twenty-two, and available on Amazon. The link is below. Um, yeah. From from your perspective, what is the real governor belt? I've seen Gary Furby because obviously he's a good friend of mine up in Newcastle, seeing he's the governor. But then we've seen other people saying that they're the governor. What 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 is the real governor it, belt? What's all of this about? Takes the governor, the only person who can pass a belt down, a governor belt down is the governor. You know what I mean? Now, my great-grandparents were governors like, you know what I mean? Okay, I was the governor before I won the Roy Shaw belt. So, you know, I was the governor anyway. But that meant a lot. I mean, I still got it here. Where's where's the belt, Nanette? Can you show the belt off? Yeah. Uh, there's the belt. That's the one the trouble is all, all being about all the time. Yeah. But that is not, you know, it's not a Roy Shaw belt. You can you can see on it, it's actually the governor's belt. Yeah. It was given to me as the governor. You know what I mean? Plus, I was the, the, the street, I was a bare-knuckle governor anyway. I used to fight all the time. So this is this is the Roy Shaw governor belt. Well, I won't part with because yeah. I mean Joey's wrapped up with all that and Ricky English and the old man Joey Paul. And I told him, I said, I'll never pass that on. It'll all be respected. That's your game. That's where you come from. It's a London thing. And I won't try and, you know what I mean? I won't take it further than that. So I've still got this belt, Joey Pyle. I've never given it on. I've got the Stormy Norman. Can you get the other belt, darling? I can see that one just in yeah. the background there, yeah. Right, you see Gary. Where's Gary Furby? You see him? Yes, you I can him? see him. Yeah, yeah. There's Gary. Now, that's that's... My old family, like, the, you know what I mean? The Stormy Norman Buckland belt. That's the bare knuckle belt. And we brought it out Spartan. We, were Spartan. we brought it out with Spartan with my old mate. What's his name now from Spartan? Christian Roberts. Yeah. Now, we brought that out. And that, that's to represent my family and the bare knuckle fighting. And there's a lot of, it's a bit of a mix up, like, you know what I mean? Because that went to Gary, like, and that's. That's my belt. I am the governor, you know what I mean? And I passed it down the bare knuckle fight. But I've never interfered with Joey. This is the the, the on license Roy yeah. Shaw belt, you know what I mean? Did, did and I'd like to think I even tell people, you know what I mean? It's the same belt Lenny had, but I I, I don't know. I never see Lenny's belt, but because I'm a big fan of Lenny's, like I, I I up him like as well. I love Lenny McLean. He's got a lovely family. Roy Shaw, Cliff Fields. Do you know, I hate saying, i got nothing bad to say about no one. I love everyone. You know what I mean? 
how do you think you would have fared against Lenny or Roy? Do you know what? I wouldn't fight their daughters, let alone their sons. That's how much respect I got for them. Yeah. I think their daughters would knock me out, let alone their sons. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? That, that's the respect. I will lower myself. I will lower myself down and, 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 uh, and pray to them, like, you know what I mean? On my hands and knees. I won't put myself up there, like, because I was a street fighter. Although I was a, a, um, a, an ABA champion, and I box, you know what I mean? I box for the home county and everything. I was good in my day when I was 25. We always have that. You got to understand everyone has a day, six months or a year, when they're not scared of nothing and they'll fight anything or anyone. I was 25 and I was mining for Vic Bellamy. We were doing all the groups. Uh, um, oh, Bruce Brinks, the Prince. Oh, I see, actually, saw Lenny McLean on the Prince tour when we went to Wembley Arena. And I looked at him and I thought, what the fuck is this? And I was so impressed by Lenny McLean. I mean, the man looked as though he was six foot three and about 23 stone. He had these great big hands as well. We was up there the night before and I had a, a bloke from Owlsby with me, an old mate of mine. Um, um, what's his? Michael Dick. And they, he had trouble with the Wembley security line. They kept saying he can't go inside and outside. And I had a pass because I was minding for Vic Bellamy. We actually worked for Prince. And uh, they're they a little bit of dispute, like, and he wanted to fight them all. And I, I, back, I said, look, leave it out, gents. I said, let's, let's, let's leave it like this. You know what I mean? I said, we have got passes. We can go where we want. And I said, you, you know, you're a little bit disrespectful, like, but I'm prepared to leave it and, and, and just walk away, mate. Yeah? We just want to do our job. And, of course, next thing, I'm fucking Lenny McLean's up there the next night, isn't he? And I knew what he was up there. He was up there to present himself as, like, the governor. You know what I mean? And um, he looked the bollocks, mate. His eyes, he looked, you know what I mean? He looks like Roy Shaw when it was at Joey Parr's funeral. When he looked at me then, he looked around at everyone. He looked as though Roy Shaw, he wanted to rip arms and legs off people, then kill them. But Lenny McLean, the way he looked, he didn't have to say anything. People said he was a bully and he shouted about. I'll be honest, this was later on before he died. And he was so experienced at his game, he didn't have to. He didn't have to say anything. He looked. And that look said, don't fuck with me, boy, because I'll kill you. And I went up to talk to him. I'm glad he walked away, like, because... Uh, he, he, he um, I was thinking I was about sixteen stone at the time, and you got you got to size up to these people straight away. You got how am I going to fuck around with him like? And what I used to do is run as fast as I can, about 15, 20 miles an hour, and aim for the gut with your head, and throw all your body into them. And it don't matter even if there was a six people standing there. I used to do it when they was drunk in the pubs, like they'd kick off. I used to aim for the middle man, like, and take the rest of them down. And I thought I'd hit Lenny in the gut as hard as I could with my head. And I think I'd fucking bump, I'd probably bounce off him. I thought he'd probably grab my fucking head and throw me over his shoulders. They, people say they were bullies, but they, they didn't have to bully. Like, not towards the end, like, there was such a big reputation, like, you know. But uh, Roy, I was mates of Roy as well. I was always, I love Roy to pieces and his family. His son reminded me of him because he looked like him. You know what I mean? And uh, his, his daughters are lovely. They they had a little bit of a problem, and Joey pulled me out. He said, it's dealt with Norman, like, you know what I mean? Keep away. 
and it was dealt with, and I'm glad I, I, I kept away, like, because I was a bit pissed off. I, I won't go into that. Like, like I said, I, I won't disrespect anyone. I've never got a bad word, and I do love for a nature of my nature. I love everyone. I love everyone. I, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to argue anyone. But it's a fucking hard life being a literate. <laughs> <laughs> it is, mate. It is. When you were at school, um, you know, did you did you do well at school? Did you stick in? Or, or, no. You know? I mean, we had problems. I mean, the mum and dad, we were split up from the mum and dad from an early age, me and my brother. My brother's an hard bastard. He's a, he's a, a big mason now, and he um, he does all right for himself. Um, about seven years of age, we got sent off to Spain to live with my grandmother, like. She's an old East Ender. Well, she ended up in Kentish Town, but her dad was Gypsy George Cooper, and I think the granddad or great-granddad was Gypsy Jack Cooper. So she was a hard bastard. She used to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and put the fruit stalls out. You know what I mean? Where Hitler, the night before, had blown the city up. You know what I mean? That's the sort of life she had in that cell. And when me and my brother, if we even a fucking argument or if she had a bad mood, she was 74 years of age. She had this snake skin, this stick, and she used to beat the fuck out of us. Like, I mean, my brother used to scream like mad, but towards the end, I got used to it. And it never used to hurt me. And when I used to laugh at her, she used to beat me more. But then she'd give up. And my dad used to say the same. He never used to beat me all the time. But he said, Norman, he said, it's not worth beating you. You don't feel nothing like. He said, I come out with bruises my and my knuckles cracked and everything, and you end up like, and that's it's not the toughness I was, is that I could take a hiding, I could I could fight up a dozen people or maybe a dozen people at the most. I'm never saying over a dozen. And during a fight, I'd take probably more of a hiding than what they would, but I'd carry on like normal, like you know what I mean. I mean, there was one fight at Brixton, like I had a fight with all. The brothers up there, and they actually knocked the jaw off me headline. As I was shouting at them, my jaw—I couldn't shout properly because my jaw was all over the place. Another place, they had their, their baseball bats, so they broke my arms, and I couldn't throw straight punches. I—I I, I was a naughty fighter towards the end because the odds were against me. I did carry gas on me and stuff like that. I remember once in the tournament, so I was coming out. My mate Ginger—he's dead now. He used to do all the—he's uh, working the raves as well, Sunrise and Back to the Future. All over London. I mean, who, who were the boys um, in the city? The boys in the city, they come and work for, for uh, um, who was his name? Jack Colton. 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 Colton Leach. Yeah, I think, I'm sure it was, it was, it was those boys. Yeah. But um, I'm thinking who, who, um, who we used to work for on Sunrise, Back to the Future. Right. Tony Colton. Oh, Tony yes. Colton, yeah. Got you, got you. And it was, uh, we used to just go into London and they just could find a building from somewhere and they used to have paperwork, put the electric on, the water, and that was it, it was alive. But uh, in the set, when we went into their part, they come up and they, they were good about it. They, you know, we had a good team. We could get 200 dormen together, my brother, like, you know what I mean? And they said, look, would you like us to do the security and we'll find the venues and you pay us? And that's the way we work with them, like. And that's the same all over London, you know what I mean? And it was great. But in the meanwhile, I mean, I was doing it. Oh, it's not brilliant, but the Jackson Dur, the Prince Dur, Bruce Springsteen. Um, oh, even, even, I remember Bross. Like, I love Bross. I think they were brilliant. People used to laugh when I used to, I used to even mind for, remember the monkeys? 
Hey, hey, yes. man, the monkeys, they made a comeback. I'll tell you who's the mind for as well. Oh, this is funny. You'll laugh at this. Shaky Stevens. <laughs> the green door. They had me up there one night. I had to watch the door light. You know what I mean? And when I went onto the stage and looked after him, he said, he said never mind my monkey here, like. And I thought, you cheeky bastard, like. But um, there's a lot of stories, like. You know what I mean? The, the firm, Joey Pohl, we fell out for a while. There was, I think it's over this stupid belt, like. But it's not a stupid belt. I, I love it to pieces. I mean, I was never nothing clever, like. You know what I mean? They called me the governor. But when Joe, when, 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 um, when, when, um, Roy Shaw passed me the belt down, bless. Here we go. It's got the governor on there. I felt yeah. like I was somewhere like, and he patted me, and he used to talk to me. And the old man, Joey Paul, I loved him. We all loved Joey Paul. I was there at the funeral, like, when he got buried, and young Joey's there. He, it must have took him a long time to get over the death of his dad. And uh, I want to say that no matter we've had our ups and downs, you know I'm always there for you. It's a phone call away. You can phone me 24-7, even if we want to kill each other. It doesn't matter. I'm here for you all the time and the firm, like, you know what I mean? And, like, Dave, I speak to Dave about it, like, and Dave said, why don't you just phone phone, phone Joey up, like, you know? And something happened. I think I put Joey, one of Joey's pictures or something, and he just contacted me and left the number, and I phoned him up and... Like he said, like me, we're old now. We're getting on. We've had some good times. We were good mates. And this is what all, all of us has got to remember. You know what I mean? You know, let's let's bury the hatchet on things like, you know what I mean? Let's things, let, let, let things go. And I keep going back, and it's once upon a time in America, like where he goes back in the past. And I can remember Ricky running up, like, and he's just fucking, you was there, and these boys, they're great big fucking bodybuilders. And Ricky put a, a fork out or a knife or a spoon or something. And he's the big fella with him said, Ricky, what the fuck are you, Joey, what are you doing with that Joey, young Joey, Paul? And he said, I had to grab it off the table. That's all we had. And lucky enough, like, it, it all got sorted out. I don't know what happened there. And yeah. I'll, I'll never say what happened, but it was all sorted out and they went back to their tables and uh, they, Joey got a telling off, Joey, what the fuck you pulled that fork or that knife out? And my head keeps going back to those days or when it used to kick off and seize this palace and I'd be in the ring and, and, and young Joey would say to me, Norman, we've got to walk through the crowd. I said, which way? I said, I've just kicked off of them and hammered a few of them. He said, that's the way we're going, right through the middle. I was going, all right, boss. And I remember, and when I was talking to Joe, we fell out. He said, Norman, we were mates. We are good mates. And we, we had good times together. And, you know what I mean? I got a lot of respect for the man. I got a lot of respect for him. Joey Paul, uh, Ricky English. Oh, they were all there. Like, you know, and the Lambrano brothers. We, I think we went, to, you was there at his funeral, weren't he? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, me and Christian Simpson both organised the uh, the funeral for uh, for Tony Lambriano. Yeah, yeah. And I helped Matt Leg out in prison. Well, he was a young kid come in, but he was a big boy, and he never fought before. He used to fight in the street, and he said, "I want to be a professional boxer. Can you teach me?" And we had no gloves. The the this is in Woodhill. I can remember that because uh, Charlie Bronson, Charlie Bronson was down the block. Yeah. And some of the boys, when they misbehaved, they put me on the YP wing because they had a lot of trouble. There was there, there was a lot of bullying there and there were stabbings and people were getting hurt and a couple of boys, one boy committed suicide 
And uh, it was the listeners, like, said, look, Norman, can you go on the wing? They said, it's fucking deadly on there. They said, the screws are having fucking trouble, like. And I, I had total respect for the screws, like, because they had to do their job, like, you know what I mean? And they said, they're having trouble, like. It's fucking scary, like. And I didn't really know what I was about, you know what I mean? I was a big fucking bruised doorman, like. Well, at, towards the end, when all the raves are going, towards the end, when the drugs are heavy, like, I knew I was going to get shot. There was death threats. You know what I mean? I had a fight with McPhee, and they were they were going to kill me, like. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say no names or whatever. And I ended up packing a 12-ball, like. I saw off 12-ball, kept it in my jacket, pulled it out a few times, let a few shots go out when I want. I wanted to know that I was armed. You know what I mean? If they were coming for me, what well, they were coming for me, that they'll get it back, like. You know what I mean? And that's the way I was in a level of my own. It was nasty. And going away, I got put away, like. I did go lunatic, like, like. And I met the bloke. He comes to the house. He was an hard nut as well. He comes to the door and he had makeup on and a fucking wig and a skirt. And this bloke was a local hard nut. And I couldn't fucking believe it. I, I pulled the 12 ball, like. He shits his knickers. He had knickers on as well, pink knickers. And the, the stench was terrible. And as I went to shoot him, like, he fell down. He fainted completely out. And I, I, I fucking laughed. I pissed myself laughing. I couldn't believe it, like. And I can remember when I went back to my car, I shot his car up on the way back as well. And uh, you know what I mean? They put me away for a few years. I deserved to go away. You know what I mean? You know, I was, I was running about with a sort of 12 ball, like, they were going to kill me. I was going to kill them, and it was stupid. And went away. The prison in prison, it sorted me out. Like, the screws are good. They looked after me. Matt Leg came along, a few boys. I turned Matt Leg into a great boxer, bare knuckle box. Boxer. Before he boxed, he was bare knuckle, just like I did, like my family. And that's the, that's the bare knuckle belt. That's my belt. That's Stormy Norman Buckland belt. Well, as you can see now, um, who have I passed it down to? Who have I passed the belt down to, darling? Gary Furby. Yeah. Now, I can remember Gary back in our days when we were friends years ago. Uh, um, Gary Furby was booked. You used to bring him down, didn't you? Yeah, I managed Gary back in the day, yeah. Fucking hell, what a boy, wasn't he? Yeah, good He'd fight anyone. Good He'd fight any. He would fight. And I can remember he was small, about five foot ten. And about 13 and a half stone, pushing it 13 and a half stone. He was like a Roy Shaw, a blown-up middleweight. And some of these boys, the big bloke from Wales, Goff, Grove, what's his name? Steve, Steve Gareth. I would like to say about Steve, Steve was on very underestimated. People didn't know what he was about. This man had been in with world champions. He had fought, um, he'd fought back in the light heavyweight world champion twice. What was his name, then? it? No, not James Tony. That was Matt Legwood for him. Steve was fantastic. What a fucking good boxer he was. He was an entertainer, wasn't he? He was an entertainer. He, was a good, he didn't mind if he lost or won, like, you know what I mean? But if someone was a little bit tasty, he would take them you know, for a proper fight. He would give them a proper fight, you know what I mean? And, you know, he'd lose and he'd win. He didn't really mind. But um, when I saw... Um, Furby up against him, like, and Furby, fuck me, he was, he went for him, didn't he? He really went for him, like, you know what I mean? And uh, then I saw him fight an ex-European professional boxer, 
And I don't think he done too well against him. He got told he had to lose. Oh, fucking hell. You know what I mean? He fought, um, he fought Sven Hamer as well. He gave away about seven stone in that fight. He gave away seven stone. He, he, he got he got tipped off. He had to lose. And uh, But Steve was a good boy. Steve, I mean... I didn't want to fight Steve, although I never said nothing. It was never, it was never on the cards for me, and they never put us together. And I was grateful because he was a very, very good professional boxer, and I was just an ex-novice boxer, an ex-amateur boxer, and uh, you know what I mean—a bare knuckle fighter. <clears throat> and I didn't have the skills as a good boxer, you know what I mean? But yeah. I didn't care. I was a street fighter, you know what I mean? And I knew. I weren't going in there to fight three or five people. All I had to do was beat someone up. And to me, it was an easy walk. I weren't going to get hurt. And I knew they were going to go down with a body punch sooner or later. You know what I mean? But, I mean, Caesar's Palace, all the boys were boxing there, win or lose, you know, professional or amateur or novice, total respect to them, like, you know what I mean? I mean, the top table... There'd be about 50 old gangsters sitting down. Can you remember that? Yeah, it was like a who's who of the London underworld. And it would be all the top gangsters. I couldn't believe it. when I They used to sit me up there and I'd say, no, I'll sit down here. Because to me, I'd never meet a top celebrity like a top film star. But a top gangster was a top celebrity to me. Like, And when they sat me down with Joe, uh, um, the old man Joey Pole and... and um, Roy Shaw, you know what I mean? It was like God's been with God's light, you know what I mean? It was something else. I had so much respect and so much love. I mean, even the craze, like, okay. I, I mean, if, if kids are watching this now, I'm going to say to the kids, like, some of the things we've done weren't good, like, you know what I mean? And some of the things the craze done weren't good. It was wrong, like, and I don't model yourself on us or them because it was wrong. But we had to do what we had to do. We had to earn a buck or two. And, you know, it's not as if I was a thief or a grass or, or, or a fucking sex offender or anything. I had to beat people up, and some of the people were nice guys. And some of the people were really horrible, like. But if it was a nice people, like, you know what I mean? I always apologised to the families and told them, look, you know, if i never done it, they would have got someone else who would have taken liberties, like, you know what I mean? And, I mean, some of the people, McPhee, he killed about fucking seven people, I think. What they knew of. I mean, there was a lot more people he, he, he took care of, like. So when I was fighting bare knuckle, it was staying alive. You know what I mean? And I remember when I used to fight, even when I was winning easily, I used to think I was losing because I feared losing because you could end up dead, dead, on, dead on the street somewhere, like. And we used to work all over Liverpool. Um, um, who we do? We'd done everyone. And I can remember um, fucking Howard Jones. Not Howard Jones. That was Leroy Dennis. My mate used to mine for Howard Jones. Um, the guitarist, the famous guitarist, married the Beatles, went out with the Beatles' girlfriend. Who is that now? The drummer used to play the drums with him, like, was... Um, oh, Jesus, completely gone now, like. He was, he was a top man in his day, like. And he used to have his miners, and I used to go up there... The, the Royal Albert Hall and worked for him up there. Oh, they we used to work all over the country, mate, all over the country. Is that your, but, was that your favourite kind of work, doing the close protection and looking after celebrities? Yeah, it was. But I I was there because a lot of the, um, the swag, the bootleggers, like, used to go in and sell their T-shirts 
uh, do up, up Liverpool or, you know what I mean, Wembley. And it wouldn't be a few T-shirts. It will be thousands of T-shirts. Now, you can remember them getting selling thousands of T-shirts when the concerts would be thousands of people's over a week or something. That would fucking work into hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, you know what I mean, in, in time like. So I'd have to take, I'd have to get their van and take all their T-shirts off them. I think I was working on the wrong side, really. And then we used to call them pirates. So we used to call it swag. And we used to look after the merchandise, you know, for big people, like, you know what I mean? These are the top people. And um, we'd have to take all the merchandise off. I used to mine for them as well, look after their merchandise. And uh, they used to get minders in. And uh, the fucking minders were our bastards, like. And I always, always end up fighting with the minders. And sometimes you had the odds against you. It depends how much of a team you got with you. But we never used to work with the old Bill. And I can understand them losing a 1,000 T-shirts. That's like 5,000 pounds, like, you know. So they would put a fight up. I mean, when we went up to Manchester, they kicked the van door open. We had the, well, we had the swag in the back, the pirates. And someone come out with a fucking shotgun, started shooting that. And everyone shit themselves. So Manchester was tricky. Liverpool was tricky. Uh, all over London, down Southampton and everywhere we worked. And we'd sometimes, even when we finished there in the evening, we'd go on to work the raves. And all the bar pubs in Kentish Town, Camden Town, uh, for Charlie Beer, Red Hot Security, I used to do that as well. So I was never, I was, I was just on my toes all the time, like, but I didn't, I, I, I wasn't a bully. I didn't want to hurt people. And I had to hurt people at the time. And my heart goes out to the people I had to hurt and their families. I'm sorry. I mean that from the, I've got a conscience, like, and at the time I didn't like it. And now I didn't like what I used to do. But I had to do it. Please forgive me. You know what I mean? It was the way of life. You know what I mean? I should have known better. But I wasn't robbing you. It's not as if I was, I was, I was robbing your house or stealing your car, or seeing your missus, or fucking, you know what I mean, doing something perverted or anything like. It was a part of life, like, and I asked for forgiveness. I'm sorry, but it was the way it was, like, you know what I mean? Who was your, who was your toughest opponent in the ring? Hey, Who was your toughest opponent in the ring? Well, out the ring, it was McPhee. McPhee wasn't a big fella, mm-hmm. but he was like a bull in the china shop. He, he fucking, this bloke. But I've got a gym down the bottom here, like. I don't use it so much now. It's the the gym in the barn. It's called the governor's gym. A lot of the boys come down here. I'll tell you the hardest boy I've had in the run. Before <clears throat> James Tony's fight with Matt Legg. Can you remember Matt Legg? Yeah. He fought James Tony and he fought AJ. And just before his fight with uh, Tame Joni, to, uh, James Tony what I believe was five times world champion. Yeah. And what do they used to call him out? Lights out James Tony. That's right. Now, James Tony was reckoned to be uh, uh, um, even Tyson, Tyson, Tyson used to say James Tony was the best defensive boxer in the world. Now Tyson lost to Holyfield. Holyfield went on to fight James Tony and James Tony knocked him out. And then Matt was come down here, like, and I said, nice little light training, like, we've got a few rounds. I feel I've got the video. I've still got the tape somewhere. It's it's up there somewhere on Facebook. And he said, yeah, nice one, Norman, nice and easy. Fucking hell, even his jabs. Was, 
they were hitting me and you could see my eyes like, and you could see my head going back with each punch. And I was trying to get in there to the body punches and it turned, it turned quite vicious like, you know what I mean? And I thought, what the fucking hell's up with him like, you know? And after the fight, I said, Matt, I said, fucking hell. I said, those punches, even the jabs, they're, they're, they're fucking, you know, they, they, were, they would have taken anyone out. They would have taken anyone out. And he said, yeah, he said, I'm fighting James. I said, James Tony, five times world champion, beat Holyfield after he beat Mike Tyson, after Mike Tyson beat everyone. I said, and you're sparring with me. He said, yeah. He said, I knew you'd bring out the best of me, Norman. And uh, so after sparring with him, like, you, you know, and there was there was other professional boxers I used to spar with as well. But Matt Legg was the hardest bloke, like, you know what I mean? He was tough. And he didn't have much experience as an amateur. He had a handful of fights. He was novice like heavyweight champion. He got to the finals of the ABA. And everyone they fought as a pro, they were the best. You know what I mean? And he didn't win. He didn't lose many fights. But he lost against James Tony. He lost against AJ. But that's quite obviously like, you know what I mean? You know, they, they, they were very special boxers. But that's the hardest bloke I've ever boxed, ever got in the ring with, like. And uh, it's unbelievable because as a kid, I used to train him bare knuckle. And it was great on the YP wing. They put me on there. And they said, Norman, it's uncontrollable. Fucking things are getting taxed. And you could see the bullies there waiting for the boys to come out of the shop. And they'd take everything, just mug all the boys like, you know what I mean? And they'd put razor blades in sight when a few kids were sexually assaulted like by the gangs. And uh, Woodhill was a good prison. And I respect all the screws and the governors were there. But they did. Uh, the, the listeners said, look, even the screws want you to go on there. And I said, well, I'll go on there. I said, who am I supposed to be? Well, like the craze. Do I? They said, you don't have to act like Freddie Foreman or the craze or anything. Not Lenny McLean, not, not, not Roy Shaw. Just you. Just go on there. Just just be yourself. That's all you got to do. So I walked on the wing. I don't know about 60, 100 people to a wing light. I saw one of the young lads come out with his fucking sweets and whatever he had, like, and the boys come up and just take it off him and push him aside. And I went over to about half a dozen and maybe a dozen. I said, you lot, go on, fuck off out of it, you little cunts. Go on, fuck off! Get out of it, I'll fucking bash a lot of you. Sorry, love, she tells me off. And uh, they all fucked off, like, you know what I mean? And I walked in the middle of the wing line. I said, come out, you fucking cells. Get out of your cells now. This is my gap. I'm the fucking governor. This is my wing. I'm taking over. You lot, go out here and pay attention. And I got them all down that leg as well. I had them standing in lines. and said, right, this is my patch now. I've taken over. Like, And it was great. It was something off an old fucking gangster film. And I didn't know the type of person I was like, all I had to be is myself like, and even the screws, they were looking down smiling like, and I, I was on remand, they kept me there for two years like, they wanted to keep me there to the end of my sentence, and they were good to me, the screws are good, the YPs are good, and I told them like, you know what I mean, I said, they're all watching you now, screws, the screws are watching you, I said, if you misbehave or upset them, I said, they'll send you the furthest prison away in the country. Your parents won't be able to come and see you. Your grandparents won't be able to come and see you. And you'll get a fucking hard time. If you behave and show you you can behave yourself, 
I said, they'll put you in a, you know, you might even get Springfield lights, you know what I mean? Spring Hill prison or an open prison. I said, they'll look after you, but you can't fuck the system. And I knew you couldn't beat the system. And a lot of the, some of the, oh, it was terrible. They'd talk to me like some of the kids were sexually abused. Some of the kids are raped. I'm surprised they never told anyone like, you know what I mean? But I suppose I've become like a father figure. You know what I mean? And I love them. If, if a boy got beat up on a visit or something or or out the wing lot, I used to go straight on the other wings, 1A or 4, 4, 4A or whatever. I used to go in there and kick off like, and I'd say, listen, who's who's it one of my boys? I used to call them my boys. Who's it one of my boys? And they used to come up like three or four of them like, I said, we don't beat my boys up. I said, they're YPs, they're kids. I said, we should be a, a, an example to them. We've got to teach these boys. If you don't stop them now, they'll have a lifetime. And some of you know, these fucking perverts, these fucking rapists, these fucking nonsense. Like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fucking, I need to calm down now, you know. Some of these kids in prison, like, oh, I love like my own kids. And they'd be sexually abused. And their life would be the rest of their life in prison, like. They'd suffer mentally. They'd be tortured for the rest of their life, you know what I mean? And it wouldn't go away. And it, it, it fucking hurt me. Like, I feel like crying. Like, and, you know, my, I felt like in there, like, you know, and just say, look, it happens. You know what I mean? We get abused. We've got to leave it behind now. You know, you've been sexually abused. It's history now. Now let's get on, like, you know what I mean? We had one bloke we called Joe Knighty come in, like, and the screws come and got me. They took me into the room, like, so there. And he, he was nearly pissed this way. Well, he did piss himself. He looked like Joe Knighty. And I said to Matt Leg, what the fuck am I going to do with him? I spent a fort with it, fortnight with him. He ended up one of the hardest blokes on the wings. And that's what mentally you can do to people. Matt Leg, he was a big, powerful boy, but he was just a boy off the street. He could handle himself. And I used to say one day I used to see things like, you know what I mean? Fucking stupid. I don't know. Maybe because I'm thick, I see things. Just brightness like. And I said, Matt, I can see you fighting these two world champions. And I said, there's lights on you, like. And there's these two blokes are world champions. I can't remember if he ever. I said, you're turning pro, mate. You're going all the way there. He said, no. I said, I'm, I can only tell you what I saw, mate. And the kids, like, you talk to the kids and you put something there, like, you know what I mean? Maybe sometimes you've got to make things up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you give them a conscience. You give them something there, some some sort of strength there, like, you know. And this bloke, Joe Knighty, no one would fight him after a couple of weeks. So I got into his head, but then I had to slow him down. I said, Joe, you can't fight everyone with your glasses on. And one night, one day he got in the fire, one he lost one of his glasses on his, his pair of glasses. I was going, you see, you won't listen to me now. I said, I've built you up and you've gone over the top. He said, I'm sorry. And some would call you dad or uncle, like, you know. And I had a bloke who come in to me. He said, you look like Perry. Perry, is he related to you, Perry or Terry Buckland from Kentish Town? And I found that he was. He, he was uh, a cousin of mine from Kentish Town. He got a life sentence. He was a proper Buckland. He didn't commit the murder. One of his mates did. But he took the rap for it. He got a lifetime in prison. He'd done the 15 years. He could have gone to appeal and grassed his mates up. But that's the sort of family we were. 
You know what I mean? Like with Joe Young, Joey Pole, like, I've never said nothing wrong about him. I know everything what went wrong. You know what I mean? Things were happening and everything. And even the time when he told me to keep out of it, like, he said, that man will be gone in six months. And I thought, fuck me, the bloke disappeared in six months. I shit myself. I thought I'm going to get the blame for that. But Joey, he said to me, keep out of the way. Keep out of it. I warn you. And I thought, it's bastard. I'll have him, like. And he didn't have to. And I thought, Jesus Christ, they're, they're proper geezers. You know what I mean? And he couldn't take the place of his dad, but I still have the love and respect for him, for him, his family, for the firm, for all the boys that used to be there. The fight is what won, the fight is what lost. You know, and you guys, you know, when you come down from north, I mean, you come down, Paul Sykes was there once, wasn't he? Um, I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure. Yeah, you come Paul down, Sykes. Paul Sykes. Yeah. You'd meet, and uh, you know, I'd be there at someone who's never had an education, and I'd be watching, I'd be meeting American gangsters, the top British gangsters, like, you know what I mean? Uh, they couldn't have got no bigger than, and I felt privileged and grateful for what I met. Maybe they were gangsters, and maybe, like I said, some of the things we'd done was wrong, like, you know, and I regret it, and I'm sorry, but I've moved on now. I'm 60 years old. I've ended up with a beautiful Filipino lady, what I've married, and I love her. And if it means I had to go for a lifetime of shit to marry my wife and be happy, then that's okay, mate. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'll let you do a bit of chatting. Come on. Fair play to you, mate. No, listen. What, tell us a little bit about the. Uh, tell us a little bit about the acting. Um, you've done a. You've done a few films. Yeah, I've done a few films. I was in Killer. I think you was in Killer Bitch, weren't you? I was, mate. Yes. There's a few old gangsters in that as well. Yeah, a few of the old. My I mate think... Manny Clark. I used to go over him. And I walked in his pub once over Hemel, Hemel, and Manny Clark's dad was there. He thought I'd come to get him. But he, he was in the film as well. I think everyone was in the film. Um, the old cage fighter. Um, what Alex was his name, Don? Alex Reed. Yeah, he was a lovely geezer. Okay, he, he was ex-army. But, you know, I'll give him credit, you know. He come down here with one friend, like, and there must have been about 30 or 50 of my mates. And some of the dangerous people down down the gym here, like the governor's gym. And he come down, and he stood his own, like. And the shots they showed on videos and that, he did show me getting the better of him. But at times, he, you know, I come on stuck. Remember, he went for a world title as well, like. So, you know, and I was explaining to him, like, about the speed. Throw the speed first and the power comes after. And I can remember he'd done this wizard back kick. And I said, what's that, mate? I said, look, if you're going to kick me, fucking kick me, mate. I did underestimate him. I can remember he'd done his flying back kick, knocked me back about three foot, and I was laughing at him. And three months later, I could still feel the kick where he hit me in the belly like, you know what I mean? He wasn't a lightweight. He was a tough guy. I have respect for him, like, you know. And there are other guys come down, other fighters. Who was the other? Billy Hutchison, uh, um, combined service champion. He trained me. The bloke over Tame, uh, um, oh, and the the, the, the um, Bletchley Wills, I boxed for them. A.B. Goldsmith's gym. Um, I remember the old pros, Tony Wright, used to come over and spar with me. He was a good boy, Tony Wright. He fought Stefan Wilson. Stefan was a banger, he was. Um, they were Fig Wright, turned pro. I, I took him up to his first pro fights. Vic Wright was a good ginger with red hair, bless him. I used to work on the door with him, very bad-tempered. I used to tell him off, like, I said, you can't keep fucking 
when people used to shake me hand, they used to be proud. You know, like the old traveller fights, they always shake hands after, don't they? Yeah. When it's over. Or if they had enough, they'd come and shake your hand. I didn't know that, although I come from travellers. Uh, I think it was um, it was up north, one of the fights up north. It could have been with um, with that, that, that fucking bloke who killed six or seven people. He'd had enough. It went on for a long time. It went on for, I don't know, 30 minutes maybe to fight. And we were both cut up and badly hurt, like, you know. And he put his hand out. And this is what the, the – the, you're supposed to shake hands and you've won. They've surrendered. But I can remember him. I thought, you fucking bastard. All my lips are ripped. My eyes, he tried to rip my eyes out. I was just as bad. I was, I was a very dirty fighter. And, you know, I always wanted to kill people in fights. It was terrible. I'm glad I never did because I'd never lived it down. And I remember he put his hand out. And I see it the other day in a gypsy fight like, but I pulled him towards me and headbutted him at the same time. And they were booing, the crowd were booing like. And I thought, well, fuck, are we trying to kill each other? He killed seven people. What do you expect me to do? You know, shake his hand. The man's trying to kill me. And they, they booed a bit like, but he got back up. I said, okay. I said, all right, mate. And I shook his hand. And, uh, he didn't come down with a team either, like, you know what I mean? He had another fella with him. He was an hard bastard, like, he was fucking hard. And some of the boys, like, I fought, some of the northern boys all over the country, they, they were top boys. I can't remember. Half the time I used to box, amateur box, I couldn't even remember where I used to box, who I used yeah. to box, or what weight. But the old man, when I used to box under me old man, you know, he wouldn't give half a stone away or anything, like, and... The fights had to be equal, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's the way it was. He'd always see me up against someone a little bit better. I'll let you get a few words in because I don't shut my mouth no, up. No, listen, this is what people want to hear, and this is a real, really good podcast. We're, we're coming towards the end, mate. You brought a book out, so this is the cover. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, mate, I, I'm sure this has got as many stories in and double or treble the amount of stories you've already told today. You've given us a bit of a flavour of it. How did the book come about? Lee contacted me, a bloke called Henry. Henry from yeah. Milton Kings. What's his surname? Is it Henry Morton? Simpson. Oh, Henry Simpson, yeah. Yeah, and there was Lee, Lee as well, Lee, Lee. And Henry, he used to come down the Agora. They had me in a big shopping centre working there when I just got out of Nick. And uh, the, the, the man, Mr. Man there, he just got put away for a multi-million pound fraud or say he's probably out now, but he used to have all the arcades in Milton Kings and he'd keep getting robbed and people used to throw tomatoes at him. They used to come into the uh, big, great big shopping centre, the Agora. And uh, he, he called me once and said, Norman, you come and work for me, please. I pay you. And it was good money. He looks after me. And I used to look after the arcades around the country and like I was just personally, to begin with, I was just personally security. Like I used to follow him about and fucking hell, he, he earned millions. I, I don't know. I think he sent half it back to back home. Like, you know, I don't know what he done. Like, but Mr. Man was a lovely fella. Henry would be on the scene. Like, and he'd clock me. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, um, he, 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 he was friends with, he, he knew the Christ as youngsters, like growing up, like, you know, he knew, uh, he, he, he knew Roy Shaw, he knew Lenny McLean, and he kept his eye on me. Yeah, I'm not, she don't like me naming names. Yeah. And um, he used to pull me aside and say, Norm, what are you going to do, mate? I said, well, I'm working here. Like, you know, Tony, Tony, um, Tony, I'm doing the raves for him. 
Charlie Bear, I'm doing it. He said, but Norman, you, you've got to settle down now, mate. You ain't got a good woman, like, you know. I met my the, the, the ex-wife. They were lovely women, like, you know what I mean? Although we fell out, I won't slag. I don't slag anyone off. Don't slag no one off. I mean, McPhee did try to kill me, and I did headbutt him when I fucking he put his hand out. But I'm fucking lucky I'm still alive. I'm just grateful I'm still alive. How I, you know what I mean? How I'm not dead, I don't know. You know? Yeah. And I can remember Hartley Paul, the, the, the tax man. He used to talk about the tax man in Hartley. I know right. him now. He's a lovely geezer. Yeah, and they, I had some friends from Hartley Paul now. He used to talk about him like Big Brian and this, that. And I can remember watching one of his amateur fights. He was good, you know? He was like, you watch one of you lot. He must have been in the ABAs. He could move about like Ali. You know what I mean? But he, he, he wasn't as big as he is now. And he was young. But then I watched another bare knuckle, uh, well, with the gloves on it, on, on licence fight. He fought someone with a blue Moican. But this bloke was getting the better of him, like, but he couldn't knock Brian down. Brian took every punch on the chin and he was laughing about it. But I don't think Brian, big Brian trained for that fight, the 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 the, the unlicensed fight. I don't think he trained for it properly. Because I see him as an amateur like and yeah. he, he 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 could move like Muhammad Ali. He was like yeah. the wind, like a butterfly, sting yeah. like a bee. Every time he, you know, he was ready, he stuck a big right hand or left hand and, and the boy was gone like, you know what I mean? He was a fantastic boxer. And he's a legend, like, you know what I mean? And he admits what he's done in the past. You know what I mean? He's done wrong in the past. I've done wrong. You've done wrong. We've put our hands up. We're sorry. We're not going to do it no more. That's it. And uh, I don't think I was that bad. I just <clears throat> shot a few houses up and shot a couple of people. And, yeah, I know fucking hell. But I've done a bit of birds. So, you know, I've learned my lesson now. And I couldn't leave my wife because – if she left me, I'd think I'd go fucking mental like. She's the governor. She's my governor. She tells you know, me. That's the best thing. That's the best thing about it. A, you're remorseful. You, you know, you, you've apologised to yeah. people. You've served your time. You did your crime. You've served your time. But listen, you've found, you found happiness. And I don't think anybody would begrudge you that, mate. I admit the only fights I lost, ever lost, were with women. I couldn't fight a woman. <clears throat> I don't know why. But even now, like, my missus fucking hits me. I back down, like, you know. <clears throat> and I think that as a kid, you rip. Say, look at this dog. Yeah, where is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone give me. He said he's a bully, whatever he is, a bully dog. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. We've got a husky here as well. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps chewing my ears all the time. <laughs> But I'd like people out there, like, if you've got children, that please get them the best education you can, like, because we're moving into modern times, real modern times now. I mean, you know, everything will be done by computer. With people like me with no education, we will be left behind. And all I want to see, parents, please educate your children, like, you know what I mean? And, and you know, love everyone. You know, don't hate no one. Forgive people, like, you know what I mean? If they're wrongings, then don't have nothing to do with them, like, you know what I mean? Leave them be. But, you know what I mean? <clears throat> I look back now, it's like watching Once Upon a Time in America with all the old boys, like, you know what I mean? It was great. We had some great times, and we're falling out now and again. 
But all they got to do is phone me up and they know I'm solid and I'll stand by them no matter what. You know what I mean? And the same as you, sir. We've had some great times together, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I yeah, remember yeah, coming in with your fucking suave suits and <clears throat> always a couple of big boys with you, like. And it was lovely. Who's he, like? You know what I mean? Hey, it's from up north. No, Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> from Newcastle, yeah. right? You know what I mean? And he used to look like the craze. You, you know what I mean? He used to dress up like the craze. And it was the bollocks, like. And we'd have a table up there, probably a hundred top gangsters, like. Or you could write books about them, like. You know what I mean? But all, <clears throat> Dave's always been a good mate to me, like. He's always spoke to me, like, and said, listen, you want to phone some of the old boys up and tell them how you're getting on and that. You know what I mean? Are you falling out over the years or you don't get on? He said, Norman, like, you know what I mean? It's difficult. And I, I have made a few phone calls and I've said, you know what I mean? Some of them I've shown, should have shown them a lot more respect, or but they've always been in my hearts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I used to knock about Freddie Foreman. I, I used to love Freddie. I went on tours with Freddie Foreman, like Joey, Joey thing, but went back to, uh, moved over to, oh, she keeps hitting me now. She doesn't want me to name names, like, because yeah. they're old gangsters. I don't want to embarrass them and, you know no, I mean? listen, Norman, you've paid your respects. I think you've yeah. done a, you've done a great job, mate. And listen, you're plugging the book. I'm going to put a link down below uh, for for people to buy the book, which will be great. Yeah, listen, yeah. I'm not going to take any more of your time. It's been we've done an hour. Fantastic, mate. Yeah. Some great stories. I think you've given a great teaser for the book. Make sure you go and buy it, people. Norman, been an absolute pleasure, mate. And look forward to seeing you. Hope I love you all. Busy. I honestly love everyone. I love you all. God bless you. And let's Take let's let's fucking let's have some good times. God bless you, sir. Thank Take you. Care. You are the Take governor. Bye bye. Bye bye.